You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to episode 17 of Keeping Up with the Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host, Tyler Bell, coming from the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada today. And of course, joined by my co-host, Alec Durham. How are you doing this morning, Alec? Oh, I am cold this morning, Tyler. We got hit with a bit of a cold snap here in Ontario over the weekend. Buddy, car wouldn't start this morning. Had to get her boosted up. No, good thing we got family night around the corner, right? Oh, troubles with the car battery. It must be getting cold in Ontario land. What's what are you guys dealing with? Uh, it's about minus twenty, minus twenty-five overnight there. I think I woke up and it was like minus sixteen, minus seventeen this morning. Okay, so yeah, yeah, cold snap is definitely hitting there. You getting some pond hockey in though? That's the main thing. That's what we're going for this weekend. Get after it, get the boys out there, get a couple wobbly pops to keep you warm for a couple hours or two and try not to lose all your toes. You got to have a couple pops when you're out there. You got to, you know, maybe maybe a little shot of whiskey or something, you know, uh, something to keep you warm when you're skating around there. Where are the boys heading out? To, to the dam in Norwich? Yeah, just the dam there. You know, everyone bring a shovel, line it up, clean it off, and away we go. Man, not bad, not bad. It's always good news when you're able to to hit the ice in southwestern Ontario because uh, uh, things have changed quite a bit over the last few years where uh, it's, it seems like it's less and less days that you're able to do that. So that's awesome to hear, man. I'm pumped. Pumped you're able to get some free ice, especially since you're kind of in lockdown and you can't go to the rink right now, too. So uh definitely a silver lining there no oh yeah i mean sure it'll destroy your blades but it's worth the i think it's like 10 bucks now to get your skate sharpened too when the hell did that go up what the heck inflation just get one of those stones and just covid gets everybody one way or another no no kidding yeah we've actually had it pretty nice out here it's only been like been like days of like plus three plus four this whole last week it's actually been pretty gorgeous even though like the sun still never pops out, which is depressing, but you just, you just got to deal with it. The nice thing was that uh, we had four Kraken games this week. The not so nice thing about that. I didn't win a goddamn hockey game. 
<laughs> well, nine days without a game to watch, four. nine games without a win. What's the difference, right? Yeah, yeah, true. You know what? Win or lose, I will watch the hockey. I'll take the hockey all, all damn day long because once summer comes and I'm, you know, desperately crying for it, I'm going to look back and be like, hey, you know, you, you could have been uh, enjoying these games too. So, uh, so that's what we've been doing. Yeah, it was nice though. Nine game layoff, and then they come back and have to face one of the best teams in the the league here in Colorado. Ooh, that's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, that's definitely a tough game, but certainly the boys showed up for it. I mean, that was a fun game to watch. Chances both ways. Oh man, it it was awesome. Let's just dive right into this game too. Uh, I guess like you know, before the game, uh, you know, Colorado was without Landeskog. So that was, uh, definitely going to help the Kraken. Uh, I mean, when you take a look at a guy like Landeskog and how hot he has been too, he's had, uh, I think, you know, nine points in his last five games. So that guy was obviously, uh, on a tear on that top line, but you know, COVID took him out. So, uh, you know, sucks for him, of course. And, uh, you know, Seattle started Grubauer, which, you know, of course, makes sense being his old team. And the crazy thing that I don't think I've ever seen, um, not that I can recall, at least, you know, when I when a guy's facing his former team, Grubauer was wearing his old avalanche pads in practice that morning, and he played with them in the game. Never seen that in my life. Have you? I don't know if I've seen it with guys having switched teams recently, but I have seen it where goalies are trying new pads and then they don't like them and they go back to their old set. But usually they've been with the team for a while. And so it's the same color scheme and it doesn't make that big of a difference. But yeah, certainly that was the first that I can remember seeing him repping them against his old team wearing their colors. Yeah. Like, please take me back. <laughs> no, that was interesting. And, you know, the, the other thing to note there too is, um, he actually switched brands. Uh, I noticed that last year, those old uh, Colorado pads, they're CCM brand. And this year he's wearing the true brand. So something interesting to note there too, how he's actually uh, completely switched brands too from, from, uh, you know, from last year. So we'll see if that's a trend that continues to happen or, you know, if he rides them out with his old pads or eventually goes back to the CCM brand, that'll be interesting to keep, keep track on no. Yeah, maybe he's blaming some of the games or some of the rebounds kicking out on the pads, trying out some new ones. <laughs> he might and you know be. what? He looked good in this Colorado game, so he might be on to something. Oh, man, he he did. He looked great. And I know if you remember last game that these two played earlier in the year, the Avs just dummied Seattle uh, in Seattle's own barn 7-3. So, you know, that's one way to lower expectations going into the game. Um, on the bright side, though, Seattle, they, they have been pretty decent on the road as of late, you know, um, lately as in a month ago, but 3-1-1 one, one in their last five roadies. So, uh, you know, at least that's a bright spot in uh, some of the Kraken stats that we've, we've had to deal with lately. And, uh, you know, jumping right into the game, though, not exactly the best start for the Kraken. Uh, giving up a few real good looks right away uh, to that top line. Uh, so it was a bit of a, a rough start for them in the game. Yeah, Colorado certainly buzzes around, especially when you get that top line out there. They've played together for a couple of years now. Ranton and I mean, Landis Gog was out, obviously, but Ranton and McKinnon got good chemistry with one another, and they know how to create space and attack with speed, and that's something McKinnon's certainly pretty good at. Yeah, no kidding. And then... You know, they're finally able to establish a bit of pressure in the O zone. 
But uh, Susie fans on this big one-timer attempt, you know, Avalanche go the other way on a 3v3, and Susie just decides to deck Grubauer into the net while the other two Kraken players, which were Donato and Larson, they just both bite on Alex Newhook there. And then Abul Kubel pots in a very easy goal for Colorado to put him up one nothing on that play there. Yeah, that wasn't the greatest defensive effort, allowing both guys allowing Newhook to just walk through them in the middle and both get sucked in by one guy in a 3v3 situation, slides it over to Conference. Credit to JT, that was a nice pass on his backhand to throw it back against the green again there, but just got to clean it up. That's some sloppy D. Yeah, it's, they didn't really know what player was taking which, and then it didn't help to Susie just taking out Grubauer, um, you know, not even getting him a single chance to make a save on that play too. That was a, that was a tough one uh, to give up, especially early in the game. The first one, right. Doesn't uh, exactly bring the mojo levels high. Let's just say, but uh, you know, there was a strong four check from uh, McCann. He ended up drawing a penalty on the play uh, and it was Marcus Johansson who, uh, you know, Mr. Jojo, he picks up his third goal off, off the, of the season off a pretty nice tip in front of the net. And that was a nice laser of a pass from Eberle to, uh, to help tie the game back up. Yeah, that was the start of at least one positive through the week that we got to see was Marcus Johansson on the power play, kind of cleaning shit up right around the net front. Yeah, Not just in the had... Colorado game, but throughout the other three there as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a good point because he's been pretty quiet. And, uh, you know, I've kind of questioned... Um, his ice time over other people, but he, uh, lately on the power play, he's definitely, uh, definitely bringing it and looking like he belongs in that spot now. So credit to him um, for, you know, stepping up and starting to produce for this team, especially on the power play. And <clears throat> not only did the, they tie it too, they, they killed off a nice almighty Colorado power play. They were doing a great job of that. And, you know, for the first period, like, got to admit like it was a really good period for the kraken they looked right in it against you know like we talked about one of the nhl's hottest teams the shots even favored seattle 10 to 9 so you know if you're looking at it that sense like they were right in this hockey game yeah i mean like you said shots favor you you got the power play advantage you killed bears you've scored one things are looking great for the kraken going into the second period here yeah, but it is were... a bit of another rough start to the period unfortunately when alexiak goes off for interference but Seattle, two for two now on the PK against the Avalanche. Oh, boy. Yeah, and and Donskoy had, a, with, with Gord there, he had a nice little two-on-one, um, but he got stick-lifted as he was receiving that pass, and, oh, that could have been deadly for Donskoy to bury his first one, especially on a, uh, a penalty kill like that, eh? Yeah, that would have been nice to just bury that one in, but unfortunately, he'll have to look for another chance later. Yeah, like, can anyone get the lead for the Kraken, Durham? Jared McCann can. And he did. Yeah, he sniped a hard wrister off the kind of half wall and catches Francis snoozing on the play. Uh, that, was a, that was a nice wrister for McCann. Uh, the guy's a scoring machine right now for the Kraken. He's really stepped up and, you know... Kraken holding on to a 2-1 lead halfway through the game. Is that good? It's better than it has been. Sounds good. <laughs> it is good, right? Don Skoy, too. Like, I know Buddy hasn't scored at all yet. He was flying around in this game, obviously facing his former team, too. He's just looking hungry 
to get his first against that former squad in this game. Yeah, that would have been a big relief for him. Get the monkey off the back there. Not just getting your first, but getting it against your former team that let you go in expansion too would have been huge for yeah, him. Yeah, that's a big feels good moment. Uh, and the, we talked about those tipping goals. Uh, you know, they weren't done in this game. Blackwell tips in a beauty from Alexiak uh, from his point shot. And just like that, the Kraken are up three to one against Colorado there. But that lead wouldn't last long, you know, as it gets cut back down to one, just 240 later when Abe Kubel scores his second of the game off a lucky bounce. Unfortunately, hits our defender's skate there and finds its way into the net. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough bounce. Uh, you know, those are always tough ones. It goes off the defender's skate there, finds the back of the net. Another tough one to you have any kind of blame on Grubauer too. Like uh, you're not looking at him like like he was in good position, and that's the thing we, we see it a lot of times in the NHL. You know, you got your defenseman just locking a guy up in front, and you know the puck gets sent there, and it just takes a bounce off their skate, and you know, unfortunately, finds the back of the net, and. You know, Seattle would immediately, right after, get their second look on the power play. And Sparks fly, too, after Appleton runs into France Suze and a big scrum ensues on the play. And, you know, of, of course, Appleton would get the goalie interference, and that would take away the last 30 seconds of the power play, giving Colorado a prime opportunity to, you know, ch tie the game up before the period runs out. But once again... The PK steps up and they'd be denied once again. And, you know, credit to this, uh, this penalty kill in this game who were just uh, on top of it uh, all over the ice. Yeah, and that penalty would continue into the third period there and they would kill it off. So, you know, huge boost for the boys coming out of the intermission, killing off that. You go against Colorado, you're holding the lead. Let's see if we can keep the pace going for this third. Yeah, and not only did they kill it off, there's a huge... Grubauer glove save too, right on the right at the start of the period too. Like uh, that's got to help get the boys amped up to try to pull through and, and try to get a victory in the game. But um, you know, and and right after that too, heck of a pace too. Chances back and forth. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Everly rings a post there too. He almost brought that lead back up to two goals. That could have changed the dynamic of this game quite a bit. But uh, but Durham. Q, hello, darkness, my old friend. Oh, no. What's happening? Because the Avs tie the game on a kick-in goal from Devon Taves. That is a kick. I don't care what the rule book says. He lifted his skate off the ice, and he kicked it. He may have turned his skate... I don't care if he deflected it. It was in a kicking motion. I I just couldn't believe this goal. This goal stood, man. Uh, give me your thoughts. That's tough. I mean, especially when you've been battling so hard against what the the league's elite. Like, let's be honest. Everyone says it's probably Colorado coming out of the West. It doesn't matter if they're not first in their division at the time of a game. They're like they're winning it. Everyone's just blowing smoke up Colorado's ass, and then this happens. It's so deflating. It's not even like an actually good goal against you, not something you feel like Colorado earned. feels like they're being gifted one here, and it fucking sucked. It did. Like, I was just thinking, like, dear NHL replay room in Toronto, turn your brain on because 
I was under the assumption that if that skate comes off the ice uh, in that situation, then it's more of a kick. But uh, it didn't. It, it, it literally it came off the ice. It didn't stay on the ice. They would count the goal. It totally deflates your team like that. Once again, it happens. Kadri goes down. He snipes one top shelf, making it 4-3 with the abs just after the kick-in. And that would be the winner. Seattle loses a heartbreaker in what was an awesome effort from the squad. This is a tough one to lose. Yeah, I mean, especially when we've been talking about how we need goaltending to kind of step it up. And Grubauer was phenomenal tonight. Only had one that actually beat him clean the whole game. Other ones were bad Mm -hmm. bounces or, you know, shouldn't be goals. And that's how, uh, unfortunately, the game ends for him. Yeah, another another backbreaker. Like you said, like Grubauer was the star of that game, and it was really only that Cadre uh, goal that was the only one that really beat him clean. All the all the rest were you know kind of fluky. When he got checked into his own net, one went off a defender's skate, one gets kicked in. God, you just can't catch a break, Kenny. No, no, it's a tough year, and this unfortunately seems like it's going to continue. Yeah, so unfortunately. They dropped that game. They can't find a win against Colorado this season. Yeah, you know, that's just the way things go. They they do get to play uh, a couple nights later. They take on Dallas in Dallas. Again, they're on the road for all these all four of these games. Facing off against the Dallas Stars, who, you know, had a pretty rough end to their prior game before facing off against the Kraken uh, against St. Louis there. They gave up two goals in the last 47 seconds of the game for a, a tough two, one loss. We're both power play goals. So uh, you, when you lose a tough one like that, you usually expect the team to try to bounce back. So uh, it was a tough situation for the Kraken to be in going into it. Yeah. It's not going to be an easy one. You know, everyone saw how pissed Rick bonus was at the end of that game. So I'm sure his team's going to be just fired up, ready to go at this one. Yeah, and we we basically had the same lineups going into the game, uh, except Geeky was out. He, he had a hand injury he was dealing with. McCormick would would jump into uh, the lineup, see some action again. Uh, he's had a handful of games so far. Um, Grubauer getting the start after his great performance last game. You can't argue that kind of decision. I know a lot of people want to be, be seeing uh, Drieger getting more starts, but after a game like that, I think it's fair that – that you run with your, your starting goalie uh, going head to head against Jake Ottinger, who's uh, uh, the young shining star in that for the Dallas uh, for their whole future coming up. Right. Yeah. Former first round pick late in the draft, not late in the draft, but late in the round there, obviously on Friday nights. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's <laughs> kind of starting to get into his own coming into a starting goaltender for the stars and what they were hoping to get when they took him like 27th or 28th overall there. Yeah, I believe 28th, uh, but he, uh, he he's definitely coming into his own now and uh, becoming an NHL starter, an everyday starter, and looks like he, he's developed quite well in Dallas, so they've done a great job with him. And, of course, Jamie, the big rig Alexiak, facing his two-time former team, the Dallas Stars. Yeah, not many people might be aware of that, but uh, he, he was traded out of Dallas at one point, wasn't he, Durham? Yeah, it was funny. He was traded to Pittsburgh for a draft pick, and then they had him for the season, and then traded him back to Dallas for the exact same draft pick. 
Yeah. So yeah, that was an odd one. One you definitely don't see every day, but yeah. Yeah. Jamie Alexiak, the two time former Dallas star. And the biggest story coming into the game though, was will Grubauer still be wearing his same Colorado pads he used last game? Answer is he was using them. So just just crazy just crazy that he was still using them but obviously after you know you have a performance like that uh you're you're a hockey player you have all kind of superstitions so there's no way he was he was going to be rocking his his other set uh heading into this game eh no nah, look good feel good wheel good baby exactly um it wasn't exactly a feel good start for the cracking in this game though another tough start to the game just 50 seconds into the game Jason Robertson, their little young star there, uh, gets a clean look uh, and is able to squeeze a puck past the low glove of Grubauer. And 50 seconds in, it's already an uphill battle for the Kraken in this one. Yeah, that's a difficult start. I mean, is there any chance Grubauer can get a Colorado glove back? <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to wait and find out. Um, you know, the good thing is they they did get a power play, uh, you know, not too, too long after it. Hints sent done crashing into the boards off cross check a bit of a dirty play in there by uh, rupe hints and they tied the game right back up a pretty little passing play ended up with uh yarn crock ripping a puck into the net off a one-timer from the slot you know that was a nice set play to uh tie the game back up and that power play stays hot right yeah they work it from the flank down low quick bump out to your guy in the middle there and a one-timer from the slot i mean that was well executed puck moved crisp and flat and found the back of the net exactly what you draw it up exactly that's uh their fourth goal on the power play in the last five games for the kraken so really good pace right there uh that's good productivity coming from your power play um but it wouldn't matter a whole lot because just two minutes after that uh, the Stars score, uh, and, and you know, this time it's the veteran, Pavalski, scoring his team-leading 14th goal after Heiskanen's point shot gets deflected. You know, takes, takes a weird bounce right off the boards, right to Pavalski's stick, picks up the loose change, bam, 2-1 Stars, and the blows kept coming, didn't they? Yeah, it certainly didn't stop there. You know, the sixth best power play in the league gets to work for Dallas after putting the puck out of play. Then... Susie hooks a Dallas player on a breakaway, leaving the Kraken to kill a long five on three. Yeah, that's never easy to do. And, you know, like like you said, it was the sixth best power play going to work for that long on a five on three. You're almost guaranteed a goal. And, you know, just like that, it was 3-1 Dallas. Robertson takes a pass out front. And because of all that open room out front, he's able to take that extra second uh, make a little bit of a play and you know almost walk around Grubauer there for his second of the night so uh, not a great first period for the Kraken at all they, they did look a bit sluggish uh, Dallas were skating really well they weren't really skating with much pace and they're getting outworked and losing some of those small battles and uh, they were down 10-5 in shots so you know getting doubled in those chances as well yeah, and I mean, a lot of teams talk about you don't want to compound your mistakes either, and that's unfortunately something Seattle did not do well in this game. Right off the hop, you get scored on 50 seconds in, so it's all right, boys, let's stop the bleeding here. You get another one against you, and you're like, fuck, guys, come on, like, let's get our heads out of our asses, get, down the, get out of the period with two against here, and then you take a penalty. Fuck, all right, let's kill this. Ah, we took another penalty, sorry. We're going to go five on three, and that's like, that's too many big mistakes in 20 minutes of hockey there. 
Yeah, it's too many mental lapses there in play. Uh, Something that has been an issue with the team, uh, a lingering issue for quite a while. And it it just kind of feels like, you know, when are you going to see it get cleaned up? When are you going to see it get cleaned up? And it, it just it just doesn't seem to happen with this team right now. So uh, it's definitely frustrating. And, you know, the second period offered a much better start for the Kraken. So they started to generate some more offensive pressure, uh, which did lead to the hottest goal scorer on the Kraken scoring number 15 on the year and marking a personal career best. That's Jared McCann. How are you, Jared McCann? He's going to be feeling pretty damn good. Career year. Career year. Like, Free agent at the end of the year. Seattle's got to do something there. He's an RFA at the end of the year, right? So um, we'll see what direction that goes in. I expect a nice four or five year deal happening for him, maybe around the four to five million dollar mark that, you know, you could definitely see something like that. I think he's probably earned uh, at least uh, being in that type of conversation for term and money. So, uh, you know, he, he did a great job uh, finding the quiet space on the edge of the slot there. Got open with a stick on the ice. Let that one timer rip. Uh, just like that, 3-2 game, just over eight minutes into the period. So, uh, And then they, they kept putting the pressure on after that too. Like shortly after his goal, uh, McCann and Eberle, they get a two-on-one together and – he just misses his little spinorama pass shot play. Just goes by the far post. Oh man, that would have been gross. Confidence just pouring out of McCann in that period of play. Yeah, and you know you, you tell the teams really starting to feel on that or feed off of that because they're finding their legs after that goal too. And Grubauer's making some big stops. McCann wasn't done there either. He draws a hooking penalty too. Kid's just moving his feet all over the ice. And he gives the crack in their second power play. But unfortunately, they couldn't manage another goal on that opportunity. Yeah, and that that really could have changed, again, changed the dynamics of this game. Because right after uh, that power play, uh, that wasn't that good le- wasn't that good looking for the Kraken. Uh, kind of led to some sloppy play and a very, very sloppy turnover from Donato uh, in his own end. Like uncontested turnover. He loses the handle on the puck, uh, tries to kind of panic, rim it around the boards. And Lind- Elias Lindell steps right up and he found Pavelski for a tapping goal. Just less than two minutes left in that period. So that's, talk about what kind of, that's just a backbreaker right there for Seattle going into the third, right? Yeah, I mean, that just kills you. It's a horrible turnover, unfortunately, from Donato. He wasn't being pressured or anything on the play. Just panics with it, throws it up the wall right to Lindell, who has a nice pass to Pavelski for a tap-in in the crease there. And that just kills you. I can't imagine how Grubauer feels on that, too, just watching those mistakes happen in front of him and then uh, – you know, out of the blue, a grade eight chance that should have never happened. And it gets behind him like that. It's just unacceptable, really. And then, yeah, what, looking into the third period, like they get a power play early and, you know, they couldn't do much. I mean, it was a really good looking power play. They couldn't get them back into the game though. Um, but I think they registered four shots. And then, like we said, McCann, who, who was having a pretty stellar game, he had three of those shots alone. So, you know, officially being their go-to shooter at this point, eh? Yeah, you see him and Everly connecting quite a bit on the power play there now. And I think that's something that's going to be a bit of a staple for the rest of the year. 
Yeah, especially dealing with the injuries they have right now. It's a, a large part of the load they're trying to produce offense is, is now on these two shoulders. So the way it is, but, you know, seven minutes left in the period. Again, it was McCann and Eberle. Like we said, they teamed on, teamed up for another two-on-one chance. Uh, McCann with a sweet dish over to Eberle, but he just gets robbed by Ottinger. Uh, and then just after that, like uh, – the next biggest chance for the Kraken was Appleton, who uh, rung one off the post with uh, three minutes left. So uh, couldn't really get much going there uh, in terms of bounces that were going the good way for the Kraken. Three minutes left, did you say, when that one was uh, wired off the post? Three yeah, minutes. I did. I did say three minutes. Why? Well, we got to be pulling the goalie. Three minutes oh. left in the game, down by a couple of goals. Come on now. Oh, that's true. That's Hackstall. That's prime Hackstall goalie pulling range right there. And that's exactly what we would see in this game too. Dallas would officially put the game away with the empty netter as well. 5-2 Dallas. That would mark seven losses in a row for the Kraken at that point. And it wouldn't get a whole lot easier for them because they'd have to face St. Louis the very next night, right? But before, I guess, before we jump into that, what was your thoughts on this game against Dallas? I mean, it was an all right effort, kind of. You find a couple spots here and there, but you have your one or two brain farts. Other, You take the first 20 out, where unfortunately, it, um, as usual, takes Seattle the first period to fucking get involved in the game. And then you might have a hockey game. It's just, you get four or five brain farts in the first there, one big one from Donato, and it just throws the game away. Yeah. Yeah, just like that. Like, all it takes is just one thing like that. And it, it seems to happen where they have these mental lapses or these mistakes on the ice. And then, like, their momentum and everything is just gone after that. Like, the, like it almost just drops their confidence down because, you know, it, when a team is struggling like this and they've lost six in a row or whatnot, like, confidence levels hot are really low. And all it takes is these small mistakes and you know you almost feel like you lost the game and you're only halfway through it and down by a goal or two goals um you know that's just kind of how it feels right like you're really hard and down on yourself when you're in those situations yeah i mean you don't ever want to call anybody soft especially you can play in that league but it kind of seems like this team's a little mentally soft there's a bit of a woe is me feeling going on with the team and once they get like you said one or two against you it's almost like ah fuck here we go again yeah, it has that feel to it, certainly. And they're just going to have to put in the effort to find a way to come out of it. Like, head down, work hard, do what got you to the just, you know, go back to the simple things and just remind yourself you're in, a, you're in the league for a reason. Like, uh, you know, you're these people or these players who are left unprotected. Um, you're snatched up by Seattle, like, you know, thrive in the opportunity that you're given. I know it's tough and everyone's probably down on themselves, but uh, they're going to have to just put their head down and, and work their way out of this slump, uh, you know, and just put forth your best effort. Cause that's really all you can do. But, you know, like we said, things wouldn't get any easier. Uh, you hop into game number 36, the very next night in St. Louis, we talked about it last podcast, you know, the St. Louis team is, playing some incredibly well hockey. Uh, you know, they're a top tier team in this league for sure. 
Uh, going into the game, of course, being the back to back, we would see Drieger, you know, getting back in between the pipes. So, uh, you know, no surprise there. Again, forward lines pretty much stayed the same. We would see Lazan in for Borgen. So, you know, one of those things where these two players have kind of been switching on and off now for a bit, both getting some NHL action under their belts, but neither neither of them have really like grabbed the torch from the other uh, between the two in order to, you know, really solidify uh, their spot in the lineup, right? It's kind of felt like that way where they're, you know, bouncing back and forth between these two guys a lot. Yeah, it doesn't seem like either one's really found the consistency to this season to force Haxtell to be like, hey, sorry, but you're not going in. This guy's playing great. I can't take him out. Yeah. Seems to go and, a couple games and then unfortunately have a bad mistake or a couple together. And like we saw Borg in the last game there. And it seems to take them out until the next guy makes his mistakes and then they take him out. And... Yeah, it's not exactly the biggest confidence boosters for them, but they are two of the, you know, most inexperienced uh, players on this team in, in terms of NHL games. So it, it, it does kind of make sense why there's so many mistakes happening, but they, they at times, especially Lazan, I'm not trying to throw heat, but he does feel like a liability at times out there more than Borgen, but Hey, you got to learn the hard way, right? Exactly. If it was easy, we'd be in the NHL. Exactly. And Boy, am I never going to see an NHL game. So, <laughs> all right. Yeah, a little and, bit live. Yeah, uh, let's see. See what happens in the, my next reincarnation. <laughs> Billy Huso, he was in the net for St. Louis. And he, you know, he's been putting up some pretty good numbers in the small fraction of games to start his NHL career as a backup. I think he had, uh, you know, about six games under his belt. It was like four and two going into the game. Uh, you know, so definitely not an easy matchup in that, uh, for the Kraken to face, uh, you know, even though it is their backup in Villa Huso. Yeah. Battle the backups tonight and theirs might be better. Yeah. Statistically wise right now, for sure. And you know, the big news going into the game, obviously first time they're facing St. Louis this season, Vince Dunn facing his former team for the first time tribute video on the way. I don't know. He didn't get a whole lot of playing time there, but maybe he did get a cup. Yeah, he did get a cup. We'll see. We'll see. And, uh, of course, we can't forget about uh, Seattle's first ever NHL All-Star who was named prior to the game. That's Jordan Eberle, baby. His second All-Star appearance in his career. The first one coming in 2012, which was his sophomore season in the NHL. He put up over 70 points that year, uh, and that was his best career year uh, to date. So, um, you know, credit to him. I know there's a lot of controversy, though, with, um, you know, the way that they pick NHL All-Stars. Your thoughts on that, Durham? Yeah, I kind of would like it just to go back. Well, I mean, I don't know about going back but i'd like it to not have to have someone from every team just take the best all-stars in the division i don't give a shit if there's four tampa bay lightning on the atlantic team they are better than probably everybody on detroit yeah i i'm in agreement with that like it's it's an all-star game not a participation game Okay, Nathan you don't McKinnon. have yeah yeah exactly mckinnon said something similar to that but you don't have to have every team in it not saying jordan Everly isn't 
deserving of that. And it, you know, it's obviously it's awesome to see a Seattle crack and be represented, but um, you know, it just kind of makes it feel like it, it's not really a true all-star game at that point. And you want to see, you want to see the guys who are doing the best in the NHL in that all-star game. Like that's what it comes down to or else why are we calling it an all-star game? <laughs> yeah. I mean, no offense to anybody on Arizona, but why is Nazem Kadri not there? And anybody from the coyotes is no idea. And I don't agree with it. It's uh stupid to say the least. It's a little bit wacky. It's a little whack. Uh, yeah. Coming into the game though, against St. Louis, you know, not throwing shade on ebbs, but he's gone 10 games without a goal and, you know, looking to break that uh, against St. Louis here, but uh, that's a pretty big slump to be 10 games without a goal. And, you know, you get announced in all-star games. So um, just the way it is. Tough timing. Tough timing. Again, um, wasn't exactly the best start for the Kraken just a couple minutes in and Gio went off for a slashing call, but the Kraken did a good job of killing that first one off, stayed aggressive and kept St. Louis on the outside. And, you know, other than that penalty, it, it started to get, uh, it started to look a lot better. It was actually pretty solid. Like the Kraken had their legs early uh, and they made a habit of getting pucks on net early on. They had, you know, six shots in the first 10 minutes of the period. So uh, at least they, they were throwing things on net early and having a better first period than they have been as of late. Yeah, I mean, like you said, getting six shots on net in the first 10 minutes, there's a great start. But then it was kind of quiet for another five minutes after that until a wraparound attempt from Donato finds Wenberg in the slot and he scores his first in a long-ass time. one nothing Kraken. One nothing cracking, and yeah, it's been a while since we've heard a Wenberg goal go off, and I, I believe it was his first goal in eleven games. So you know, to get things started against the Blues like that, that's that's huge for Wenberg, uh, a guy who obviously we just want to see him shoot more, but he never wants to shoot. He's a passer, he's a playmaker at heart. So uh, to see him bury what I believe was his fourth goal of the season, that was good to see, and. Yeah, Seattle would get, I think, their first look on the power play as well. Uh, they didn't score on it, but uh, throwing a, a ton of pucks on net, registering three shots, they're all pretty dangerous. Again, McCann was the one firing it on net. We'd love to see that, right? Yeah, man, pucks on net, baby. You get two minutes to put as many pucks on net as you can. Yeah, and that first period, they finished with 15 shots on net, only giving up eight, plus Dunn was given a nice ovation for his return. So high morale for the boys after the first 20 minutes in this game. That's nice. It is, right? Feels good. It's a feels good thing. And yeah, it was another fast-paced start to uh, for the Blues to the period. Causes uh, Vince Dunn to go to the box after he tripped a guy. And, you know, just like the first one, though, the crack and kill it off. This time, it was mostly on the back of Drager that time. He actually came up with some big saves, uh, reserving that one goal lead. So credit to him, who uh, looked pretty solid in this game. Yeah, but unfortunately, you know, penalty trouble continues for the Kraken, and more specifically, not just the Kraken, but Vince Dunn, who goes straight back of the box for high sticking. Yeah, once again, though, another solid kill from the squad, and... The Blues actually had a ton of time on the attack too, but they only managed just like four shots on net 
in all six power play minutes that they had because uh, there it was a it was a high sticking. So they did get four minutes on that last one. Um, can you guess what happened next, though? Uh, we're gonna go back to the penalty box. Yep, we're gonna go right back there and go off. Geo, go sit for two or less, bud. Thank God it was only two, though, because Drieger just standing on his head like a man possessed in this game. Like, he he was crazy, especially after, you know, killing three straight penalties. Uh, the Blues actually go off this time with a minute left in the second period. So, uh, unfortunately, they didn't really come up with much. Um, the Kraken don't find Twine in the final minute. So, uh, of either half of the two-minute power play, so you know, to end the period and to start the period. And what do you know? It costs them. The Blues knotted up 30 seconds after the power play expires with a goal from Robert Thomas, which uh, deflected off the stick of, you guessed it, Vince Dunn. <laughs> That's rough, eh? Yeah, I mean, it feels like every time this happens, we talk about how whenever something bad happens to Vince Dunn, it's ugly. It always always ends up being a goal against it i don't know i don't even know how to explain it like not exactly the type of return i think uh dunn was hoping to have right <laughs> no he was definitely hoping to have an impact on the scoreboard but for his team not his old team mm -hmm. and yeah it was more i was more penalty trouble and that was really the biggest story of this game was just you know not being able to stay out of the box for the crack and they go off for the fifth time, and just like that, the Blues finally score on it, uh, taking the lead for the first time in the hockey game in the third period, of course. Boy, oh boy, it just are the Kraken ever going to win a hockey game? Ah, maybe. You know, they might get to play Ottawa or Arizona or somebody oh. like that coming up. Ottawa's on fire, bud. No way they're beating the Sens. No. No, Who are you I, cheering for right now? No, I'm cheering for the Kraken, baby. Uh, they get an A-plus opportunity at the end of the game, though, to try to tie it up. Last two minutes of the game, St. Louis takes a penalty. And, you know, they'd win the draw. They'd get puck possession in the, in the offensive zone. And that would turn into a lengthy six-on-four, right? And that's what you want at the end of the game, right? Like, you're, you're going to be in a situation where you pull your goalie anyways. Like, that's what you do in order to tie a game up, but having the extra guy out and turning it to a six on fours is just fantastic opportunity, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you basically get to run your power play with an extra body at the net, trying to take their goalie's eyes away and get piece of the puck as it comes through. This is perfect situation to try and get that game time goal. Yeah, but they still can't get it done. Still, still, still can't get it done. Two one final. Drop another game after blowing another third period lead. Obviously, like we said last game, it was seven straight losses. This makes it eight straight losses. The pain is really kind of starting to set in for this team. And, you know, you you got to feel bad for Drieger. He had an outstanding effort in this game. Like, they've been getting good, you know, great goaltending too this whole past week. Drieger stopped 25 of 27 shots and a lot of difficult ones uh, mixed into those 27 against him. So, uh, you know, another tough game to drop, especially when you, when you blow another third period lead, like uh, they've been coming, becoming infamous for doing. Yeah. I mean, 
like you say, it's really feel bad for Dreger, who's kind of been fighting it this year and tough to string together good games for him on and off the injury uh, reserve there too. But for him to come out and just play dynamite like he did tonight, you would really hope the boys would be able to fire one together for him there. But see, or I mean, St. Louis is a hell of a team at the same time. So they all are. the credit to them. They stuck with it the whole game, despite being down one, applied a lot of pressure in our end and found a way to get it done. Yeah, I mean, you're going to look at some positives here. You got to think, you know, you had the opportunity to beat Colorado. You had the opportunity to beat St. Louis. Those were still good games for the Kraken, uh, you know, basically just one goal losing efforts in both of those. So um, games they could have easily won. Um, so it could have been a lot different of a story. And then they would close out the games with uh, – playing the LA Kings last night and back at home for uh, the first of six games at home, taking on the Kings for the first time. And Drieger got the nod last night. And, you know, like we said, after that great performance, it it makes total sense why uh, they threw him back in the game for this one as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're going to go with the hot hand. Sure. Grubauer had a couple of good games there, but Drieger played lights out that last game. So give him the opportunity coming back home here to see if he can continue it going too and have two goalies playing well at the same time. Yep, exactly. And uh, a bit of news too that morning, uh, Geeky was seen around the rink in an arm sling. So you have to think, uh, it's more than just uh, probably a couple more games that he's going to miss now, right? You might be looking at uh, a week-to-week situation now for Geeky. Yeah, it'll probably be something they'll just monitor over the week and see how he's feeling before letting him come back to practice and testing some physicality there and then before putting him in a game situation. Mm-hmm. And the big storyline before puck drop, uh, you know, there was some buzz, especially on Twitter, uh, you know, all day yesterday about a huge announcement uh, everybody was kind of waiting ever so patiently for, you know, getting your seats early. Uh, you know, everyone's kind of talking, is it the Kraken mascot? Is it finally happening? Not quite. It wasn't a mascot, but it was a pretty cool uh, presentation before the game. They had a new animation, you know, let me know what your thoughts were on it. It, 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 it did get me pretty pumped up. There was no mascot, but I thought it was it was pretty epic. And, you know, tell me your thoughts on it. Yeah, I definitely thought it was pretty cool. You know, they're kind of taking a page out of Vegas's book. They're creating a little story for the storyline for the game with the intro and sinking down to the deep at the crack. And I definitely thought the best part of that presentation was the way they incorporated the eye and the logo at center ice and made it glow out from the cave. That was the coolest part, I thought. Oh, dude, that looked pretty sweet. I loved it. I man, those animations have come such a long way in these last like five years. Like, they look, they actually look so epic to watch on the ice, too. I, I love it. I love, I love those animations and kind of gets you more pumped for the game. And maybe that was their sneaky way of uh, trying to break this losing streak, too, for the crack and to, to bring that in. Willing to try anything at this point. Yeah. But like, where the heck is this mascot? Like, honestly, it was just so weird how there's so much buzz and people were convinced it was happening and then it still didn't happen. Like, it just seems weird. Like, I've never, you, you'd think they would have had that figured out by now, but maybe, maybe it's something like at this point, I just say, wait till next season. Just have something fun for next season now. You know, there's no, bring them out of the draft. Someone. Yeah, right at the draft. <laughs> yeah, that would actually be sweet. 
get him to come down from the rafters just to, you know present the guy with the jersey whoever they draft which no he's got to we'll come up that from the deep just burst Ooh. through the stage yes yes why didn't i think of that what am i thinking come down from the ceiling that's or crack and hide no that's not a thing crack and don't hide they're here to fuck nope. shit up yep Oh, yeah, of course. And, uh, yeah, I thought that was going to add a bit more energy to uh, the crack and start, but it, I got to tell you, man, this game felt like uh, the tires were a little deflated. Uh, the Kings kicked off the scoring, too, in the game last night. Uh, they had a goal from their leading scorer and all-star player. Yep, you guessed it, Adrian Kempe, who kicks – Kicks a loose puck around to a stick and uh, kind of buries the rebounder there. Uh, and man, other than that goal against, it was a pretty uneventful period. Like, you know, like I said, it kind of sucked considering the cool pregame show. Uh, I was kind of expecting more energy from the boys there. Um, but yeah, what's one word to kind of describe that first period? Sluggish. Oh, it felt yeah. slow and just. It sloppy did. and people yeah. losing pucks and falling down yeah yeah it almost uh felt like clutch and grab era like <laughs> it was 40 years weird. ago hockey baby yeah uh and man you look at the shots only five each team talk about a defensive battle and just clogging up the neutral zone really slowing things down right that and i'm sure some of it was an accident i mean how many times did someone drop the puck between their skates to nobody the fuck you doing hold on yeah. to the thing yeah don't know kind of what was happening with those vibes it just seemed a little off uh in last night's game and uh things didn't really get any better in the second just what like four minutes in and Deneau's able to find a loose puck in Drigger's crease uh, you know off a point shot just like that two nothing kings they're in another hole in this hockey game yeah, I mean, and then JoJo gets a breakaway shortly after that and could have got the Sparks going for the boys, but Cal Peterson stayed with him and was on it. And I mean, easily Seattle's best chance of the game up to that point, and unfortunately just couldn't find a way to find the back of the twine there. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely their best opportunity up until that point in the second there. And then, you know, Yanni Gord being the little honey badger that he is, uh, you know, drew the first power play for the Kraken after you know, he took a bit of a nasty elbow to the face, cut him open, which means the double minor goes on the board. And, you know, good thing it was a double minor because uh, the first two minutes of that were pretty sloppy. And, you know, they never got anything set up in the ozone. And then the second half of it, uh, they get, you know, they get to the point or they get it uh, set up in the zone there get it to the points that gets a shot on net and it's captain geo getting that shot and joho he tips it puts it away for the rebounder and they're cracking her back in the hockey game yeah johansson just finding that spot in the slot again just getting tight to the crease and i think that's his third power play marker from there in the last week and a half or so yeah yeah he's uh finding some confidence on the power play and and able to make some things happen so uh it's good to see that especially if you're looking at him as like any kind of trade bait too at the deadline you know uh, he's not going to pick up much but a fourth fifth round pick maybe you'd probably see something around there uh for johansson if that um so that's it, it, good anyway but like the kraken needed that badly there was not a whole lot of energy in them from the game and sometimes a goal like that could just spark your team and turn things around right eh? 
Yeah, you'll take anything you can get when it comes to trading for, you know, trading rentals out. Anything that you can add to your organization is a good asset. And especially if he can keep scoring like this and help the team out while he's here, even better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Seattle would get another uh, crack at the power play, too, after a delay game call. And the best chance would be from uh, McCann. He, I think he'd cause some eardrums to explode there. He smoked iron and just hit it off the pipe and out there. That was a close one. Could have tied the game right up, but uh, <laughs> not going to lie. Every time McCann's been winding up for a shot, like you just hear the crowd. Just hear the crowd like gasp every time he winds up. I love it now. He's such a shooter. He found his niche, that's for sure. And it seems like the coaching staff has noticed it as well and put him in a position to just let it go. Yeah, and he lets it go. Um, you know, I know Jordan Everly scores a lot of goals too, and he's a sniper, but uh, I think McCann's their most pure shooter on this team for sure, I would say. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, a few minutes left in the second too. Uh, the crowd would get a ghost goal after Donato. He rung one off the pipe as well, and you'd hear the boat horn go off. Uh, fooling everybody in the building, thinking that the Kraken tied it. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, took a few unlucky bounces in order to stay out at that time. And w what was that, like the third post for the Kraken in the game, too? Maybe yeah, two. it had to be up there. It was yeah, quite they were a few. Ringing, they were ringing posts up to that point in the game. But, you know, at least in that second period, it was much better for the Seattle. I mean, overall, they were a lot more engaged in that second period. Uh, and it felt like they had like three times as much time in LA zone than they did in the first, even though they just registered seven shots in that second, which would only bring them to a total of 12 after 40 minutes. Yeah. But that's like 150% better than the first period. <laughs> Ooh, quick maths. I like it. Quick maths. Like the way you're looking at it. And Positivity. you know, unfortunately in that third period, the defensive battle continued in the third. I look, don't think that's too much of a surprise. LA did a really good job of boxing out Seattle and clogging up the middle of the ice again. And they weren't really given a much, uh, you know, it was, it was a poor effort from Seattle going into the third here when you're just down by a goal. Right. Yeah. I mean, you absolutely want to start flooding their net and not the kind of pucks on net mentality you'd love to see when you're down a goal in the last period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they only registered, what, two shots in the first 10 minutes of the third. So um, not exactly uh, the type of pace you want to have, right? Down a goal in the third, and you're only getting that much towards the net. Never good. Never good. No, you'd want to come uh, out firing like McCann on the power play, but at five on five. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, another fantastic opportunity arised for the Kraken late in the game. 345 left in the third Left Dowdy takes a high stick um, on Appleton, so he goes off. And once again, the Kraken are gifted this great opportunity uh, with a man up late in the game to try to tie the game up. And what happens, man? What happens, Durham? Not a goddamn thing. Not a goddamn thing. I think there was only a bit of a like a small overlap of like twenty seconds where they had a six on four in that time, um, and. Still, same thing. Another empty net goal against. And the Kraken drop uh, game number nine in a row, and they don't start this homestand on a positive note, do they? No, I mean, unfortunately, it was a Saturday night game at home. So if you didn't bet against the Kraken, then you're an idiot. 
Yeah, they have that tough uh, record at home on the road Saturday night. They only have one win in like roughly 10 or 11 games on the season on Saturdays. So I don't know what it is about those Saturday night games, but the Kraken can't find wins in them or on them or when they happen. (laughs) They can't find wins, period. They can't find them. Where are they? Yeah. So another rough week to sum it up. I mean, obviously four losses is pretty rough. Uh, Things are looking tough for them. Looking ahead to next week, they have four more games. So another packed week of games. Um, Starting off tomorrow, which is uh, Monday 17th against Chicago, a team that they've played already. And I believe it's an American holiday, correct? Martin Luther King Day? I think so, yep. I believe that. So it's actually, what, uh, 5 5 p.m. Eastern for you? 5 p.m. Eastern start to the game. I think it's 2 p.m. Pacific time. It's 3 p.m. for me. That's all I know. So uh, might be missing a bit of this game, uh, you know, due to that, because us Canadians, we, we don't have that day off, unfortunately. So, you know, playing Chicago again, though, they've played them once already this year, lost 4-2, uh, and that was in Chicago last game. This time it's at home against them. So uh, what do you expect from this matchup? I expect it to be another tight game, you know, give them an opportunity to get a win here, hopefully. I mean, Christ, I said that for two of the four games last week, and they lost them too, but Chicago's a team you should be able to come out against. I mean, they're kind of up and down throughout the year here. Patrick Kane's being Patrick Kane, leading their team in scoring as per usual. Flurry's kind of finding his groove in Chicago there. I think Seth Jones is certainly being worth his money. Yeah, they just had such a rough start to their season and they haven't really, you know, found that groove in order to try to battle back. And it's funny you say Patty Kane leading the way because it's kind of a down year for Patty Kane if we're looking at his stats and he's, you know, he's still producing though. And, you know, you could definitely tell that Jonathan Taves isn't back uh, where he should be yet, quite yet, taking that whole year and a bit off. Uh, you know, he was dealing with some health issues that kept him out of the game. So, uh, like you said, this is definitely a winnable game and they'll, they'll be looking to try to exact some revenge on their loss earlier to Chicago, uh, earlier in the year there and definitely a winnable game. So, you know, if you're looking at a positive there, uh, between their next two games, them, and then, you know, looking at San Jose as well, another winnable game, they actually beat them, uh, three, one earlier in the year as well. So, um, what's your expectations against uh, San Jose here? I think this is going to be a goal, a goal breakout game. You know, I don't think this is going to be a tight one. I think this is going to be your one there. Uh, you might want to go for the over if it's set around five. Ooh. Okay. I like that. I like that. Any but I'm not an expert. Uh, San Jose has been kind of just fighting it a little bit lately. You know, there's been goals a lot going both ways in their games. I mean, don't look at last night's game against Pittsburgh. That was an offshoot. I think Louis Domingue just stood on his head there. But oh, yeah. usually there's a lot of goals going both ways. And I don't know, just gut feeling. Yeah. Shit's got to go right for Seattle eventually. Exactly. Things have to turn around eventually. Um, you know, this whole whole week they're facing people that they've seen already. So at least they have a bit of familiar, familiarity going into it. Um, yeah, San Jose, talk about them. They've had a hot start to the year and then – they're kind of starting to come back down to reality as of late. And it just looks like they're, 
most likely going to continue to kind of slip out of the the playoff spot while uh, maybe other teams start to pick it up in the Pacific. It, I don't know. That Pacific division has just been all over the place when it comes to standings, hasn't it? Yeah, it's pretty tight too. I mean, you get you got from uh, first to seventh in the Pacific there is 13 points spread. And then you got from seventh to eighth, and it's 11 points. So it's kind of those top seven teams and then Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. So like we said, I think, I think Chicago playing them tomorrow night, that'll be an interesting, hopefully they could get back to the win column that, uh, you know, just get, just get some of the sparks flying, just get the guys feeling good about themselves again. And then, you know, you face San Jose, at least, at least they know that's a team they they can beat and they've done 3-1 already in the year and you know hopefully a couple of games where they could start to turn things around the next two games after that going to be a little bit more difficult the night after uh, i guess they play San Jose they got another back to back right so again they face St. Louis on the second of a back to back uh so this you know they're at home for it but you know, we just seen the way they played St. Louis. It was a tight battle. I should at least give them, you know, a bit more confidence going up against such a such a powerhouse team like St. Louis. But other than that, like, you know, we know kind of what to expect uh, from this matchup against St. Louis, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it shouldn't be a race from our memories having been just two games ago. I'm sure they should be able to remember it. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if we can pull out on uh, the winning side of things against St. Louis. And then, yeah, Sunday, a week from now, it is going to be a tough game, to say the least, because they play the Florida Panthers, who are the hottest team in the league right now, and number one in the standings, scoring a a billion goals a game right now. The Florida Panthers, tell me about them. Well, their offense runs through one guy kind of right now, and it's Jonathan Huberto. He is an assist a game, and no one's fucking talking about him. 38 assists in 38 games, 53 points. He's got 18 more points than the next closest player on the Florida Panthers, and no one's talking about him for MVP. What? Wow. Yeah, that is shocking. 18 more points than the next player on their team. I know they have a lot of spread out scoring throughout their whole lineup, but to see Huberto be that much above the rest is – quite impressive from him isn't it yeah for sure i mean back uh, when everyone still thought nhlers might be going to the olympics i was talking with my dad about oh who's gonna play on uh, mcdavid and mckinnon's line and i said jonathan huberdo and he goes is he gonna be on team canada and i'm like are you fucking watching the nhl oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah he, he's in the top six of that team for sure. And he, yeah, he doesn't get the respect he deserves, especially, you know, it's tough for him playing in a, a market like the, you know, the Florida Panthers. We say that, but then again, you know, Tampa's in the same state, right? Like, so yeah, it's one of those things where for that reason, playing on the Panthers, he doesn't get enough love that he, he definitely deserves because he is uh, a top five player in the league right now, I would say. Do we call it irony when the last three or four years, all everyone ever talks about for most underrated player is Barkov, Barkov. and the real most underrated player was on Barkov's team? On his line? <laughs> well, 
most of the time. I think they split that up last year to, to get to the extra goal scoring, but it's going to take, man, it's going to, going to take uh, moving some mountains in order to beat Florida twice out of both matchups they have because they beat them the very first time they played them in Florida. And I think they snapped their home winning streak too that Florida was on, which yeah, was, it was like, like 11 games. Yeah. It was like a huge, you know, home, home winning streak that they snapped. And you can only imagine that uh, Florida still remembers that and they're going to want to walk into this building and pick up a win. So uh, that is going to be one t- hell of a game. Tough, tough game for the Kraken to pull a win off in. I'm just looking at Florida's stats again, and I'm just I'm still enamored with Hiberto. If he did not score a goal this year, he'd still be leading their team in points. <laughs> that's some Wayne Gretzky shit. That is that's just nasty. That's just nasty right there. Holy cow! Kraken fans. The NFL playoffs are here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard game or any wildcard team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win $280 in free bets if your team is victorious. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for with this wildcard weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their very first deposit. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Just bet $5 and win $280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. All right, welcome back, Kraken fans. We're back here, and it is segment time, and we are jumping right back into a stat of the week segment and I think I mentioned last time on, uh, you know, last episode there, we would come up with something a bit more positive for stat of the week. Not exactly the case this time, is it, Durham? No, you're just full of shit. You're a liar. Yeah, I'm a, a piece of shit for that. But I figured I want to go with a stat that has been very relevant to the Kraken uh, as of late uh, and and something worth bringing up because a lot of people have mentioned this on Twitter And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people questioning their decision on this, and it makes total sense when you take a look at the stat. And I'm going to hit you with that right now. So the Kraken have surrendered 12 empty net goals this season. That ranks them first in the NHL for most against. And out of those 12 that they've pulled the goalie for and got scored on, just one time, just one time, that they've actually scored a goal for themselves while having the goalie pulled. That came against Arizona, courtesy of the captain, Giordano. And the worst part about it is they still ended up losing that game in regulation. So even though they pulled the goalie, tied on it, they still lost that game. So does it really count? Yeah, you might as well have just not even pulled the goalie. Just lost by one anyways. 
Man, that's I know I I understand the frustration online, but at the end of the day, it is still giving you your best odds to try to tie the game up late. You know, getting that extra player out there should be helping your team score that that extra goal or that that goal to tie the game up, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and then of course you get the dual edged sword there, where if you're like, "Fuck, we haven't scored with our empty net pulled all year." And then you don't pull the goalie, you're going to get just attacked online. Like, oh, look at Dave. He's not even trying. Fuck him. <laughs> yeah, you are you make a really good point there. If they just start not doing it, they're going to be like, oh, fire the coach. He doesn't know what he's doing. Like, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, that's a tough stat for the Kraken. Pull the goalie that many times. <laughs> you know, it didn't help that uh, the coach hack seemed to pull the goalie pretty friggin' early on, uh, early in the season. Uh he was pulling with like three, three and a half minutes left. And uh, people were losing their shit online about that earlier in the year, but it did get better as the year came on. At least it was in like the more last two minute range, last minute and a half range, which is seems to be that most successful range when it comes to pulling your goalie and scoring on. Yeah. I mean, if you at least give it to the minute and a half, two minute range, it makes your guys feel like you believe that they're going to score a goal at five on five and they don't need you to pull the goalie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, just one of those stats where I had to, had to hit the people up and explain that, um, you know, the Kraken right now are the worst team when it comes to giving up uh, empty net goals uh, against them. So um, if you feel like it's happening a lot against them, it's because it is happening a lot. It's happening more than any NHL team. And, We'll see if uh, that's something that they could fix going down the road because it's not like they're the worst power play team. They're just uh, haven't been able to be successful when their goalie's pulled and they're up a man or two sometimes. So way she goes, we'll see if uh, they could fix that going ahead. Moving on here, though, before we end this episode, we obviously have to talk about uh, – some of the 2022 top prospects that we think the Kraken might or should target, um, you know, heading into the 2022 draft, because as each game goes by and each loss adds up, it is more and more evident that uh, this Kraken team will be picking high in the 2022 draft, it seems, eh? Yeah, for sure. I mean, unfortunately, that's the way the season looks like it's going to be, is they're going to end up with a Right now, I think it'd be even if they lost the lottery, a top six pick, top five. Uh, yeah, currently, currently where they sit, they're in third. So, uh, like third last. Yeah, they're so, winning. <laughs> they're winning. So that would technically guarantee them a top five pick because with the new draft rules that are in place for this draft, uh, you can only get moved two spots instead of three. Correct. Yep, and only the uh, bottom 10 teams are allowed in the lottery. So if you just miss, just miss the playoffs, well, it sucks for you more than one way. Yeah, so, you know, there's only that 10-team 10, 10 jump you could really make, right, from uh, I believe it's the 11th team is the cutoff um, because there's a chance of jumping 10 picks. So technically that makes that, sense. There was yeah. a 10 somewhere. There was a 10 somewhere in there, but yeah. I, oh, totally figure. I didn't know what I was talking about. Yeah, so if they were to stay in this position, they'd be picking top five for sure. So we just want to talk about it. Just a few of those guys who, you know, maybe they they might have their sights set on and who we think might fit their team well. So starting things off, 
with the number one consensus guy in this 2022 draft. That's Shane Wright. Give me your thoughts on this Shane Wright guy and why he is the consensus consensus number one pick in this draft, Durham. Well, you know, he's that kid who had the exceptional status to play in the O at 15 and had a pretty solid season as a 15-year-old there. He's kind of a uh, do-it-all type. I like to think of him when I watch as just a bit of a blend between Tavares and Bergeron. He's got the hands and the shot around tight to be a real goal scorer like Tavares has shown, but he's kind of got that effectiveness in all three zones like Bergeron with that bit of a grit to his game too. Oh, I like that. That's a great description of Shane Wright. And, you know, when it comes to him, there's only one way you're going to land this player, and that's winning the draft lottery, right? Yeah, he's going to go one. He's going to go one in this draft. Uh, you know, he's he's having a pretty good year too this year with uh, with Kingston, you know, captaining that team. Not a big deal. He's got 30 points in 23 games, so uh, not too, too bad. But considering he was had 66 points in 58 games in his 15-slash-16-year-old season, um, you know, you'd expect maybe, you know, two seasons later, those numbers maybe be a little bit higher at this point. But uh, I don't think that's any cause for any, you know, an alarm going off in anybody's head. He's still ranked first on every single draft board, so... So fair to him. And, you know, what would it mean for the Kraken to add a guy like Shane Wright? Well, you'd be, you'd have your two centermen for the next 10 or 15 years set with Beneers and Wright. And the nice thing too is one's a lefty and one's a righty. So you're going to be set up for the face-offs no matter what side it's on. They both kind of got that 200 foot game. So if you want to throw them both out there on a line together for the last minute, they could cheat their draws and not be worried about having another or winger come in to take the draw next because they'll have two centermen. So that's a nice benefit for the organization if they were to be able to select Shane Wright mm -hmm. and offensive dynamite. Offensive dynamite. And uh, he, yeah, his goal scoring ability is off the charts too. Like this, this guy can rip pucks all day. He would be yeah. a, a fantastic add to, um, to the Kraken lineup. And yeah, that would be just the absolute home run if they're able to land him in the draft. So, you know, we couldn't go without talking about uh, the number one guy here in Shane Wright, but we're going to jump in some other guys who are floating around that top five range that we expect the Kraken to be in. And I'm going to, I'm going to give it over to you here because I know this next player, you're hyped about him. Uh, you, you know, you have high expectations. You project him to be an unreal player in the draft and I'm going to let you take this one over. Well, highest on my list, like in who, uh, in terms of who I would want them to select is Matthew Savoie. Holy shit. That kid's just dynamic. I think he's the most skilled player and most dynamic player in the draft, but he's not your typical where I'll just fly around and beat everybody with speed and skill. He's a little shit disturber too. He doesn't take anything from anybody, which is nice to see for a smaller frame. Not smaller frame, but a little bit shorter guy. You know, he's built quite well. He's about 5'10". I think he's 180-ish, 185 right now. But holy frick, he can fly out there too. Just a great skater, agile both ways, explosiveness, and he can beat goalies from a distance with his shot too. He's not just a playmaker like some people thought growing up he'll probably need it one more year to kind of grow into his body develop a little bit of strength but honestly i think he's going to be braden point and i haven't been this excited about a prospect in a couple of years at the draft 
Wow. Yeah. Great comparison right there. And in, in a Braden point too, because you know, the way you explain how he's got that tenacious tenacity in his game, you know, uh, Braden point brings certainly brings that as well. And wow. Yeah. What a hell of a player. And where's, uh, where's he playing right now? He's playing in the WHL for the Winnipeg ice. Yeah. Yeah. He's actually on a team with uh Connor geeky, another high pick or high selection prospect for this draft. Yeah, another guy we have on our list here, Connor Geeky. You might be hearing that name and thinking, "Oh, that sounds familiar." Correct? There's yeah, a he'd reason be the why younger brother. He is the younger brother of current Seattle Kraken Morgan Geeky. So uh, another guy who you know fluctuates depending on whose ranking you're looking at. You know, some elite prospects have him ranked 14th. Bob McKenzie, who you know, is a very high regarded, uh, rank, uh, his TSN rank. He has him at number five, uh, Craig button has him at 17. Um, and then you see a, a couple other ones. I mean, he's fourth on NHL central scouting, uh, for North American players. So, you know, he kind of fluctuates in a lot of rankings. So he's another centerman. So another guy down the middle for them to kind of target, um, six, four. So he's got great size too. bit of a later or earlier birthday. I guess you could say he's still 17 years old and, you know, he's putting up some pretty good numbers too, uh, playing on the same team as Matthew Savoy. He's got 38 points in 35 games in the WHL, the Western hockey league there. So, um, you know, how cool would it be, uh, to get this guy on the Seattle Kraken and add to the geeky squad. Add to the geek squad. Yeah, exactly. Add to the geeky squad. I like that. That'd be pretty sweet. You know, get that brother connection again. Lost Kale Flurry, still got Hayden. Might as well just add Connor Geeky to hang out with his brother. Yeah, no, that'd be that'd be pretty wild too. It would it would be sweet to see them playing on the same line one day in uh, in Kraken jerseys. That'd be for sure. Um, but uh, the one thing about him is, with his rankings everywhere, it's tough to project exactly where he's going to be. Um, you know, if if he's more around that tenth range and and Seattle's picking higher, maybe they don't take uh, take the chance and go after him. Maybe they're you know obviously you want to go best player available, right? But you know, there's times when, when you certainly want to reach for, you know, certain players and, you know, him being a, a natural centerman, uh, you know, could create that opportunity, right? Yeah. And especially being big body down the middle, that's something, you know, a lot of NHLers or NHL scouting staffs and front offices still kind of covet. Yeah. It is hard to find, uh, those top line centermen who have size that's, uh, right up at the top of every scouts list. Right. And being six, four and 205 pounds, he already has an NHL frame to him. So, uh, that's a big positive, uh, being, being such a young kid still. And yeah, other than, uh, you know, Connor geeky, we, we have some other names here. I know, I know this is a guy that I would like to see them target, of course, like we said, take best player available. But if this guy is right at the top of your list, I don't see why you wouldn't take him. And that is Yuraj, Yuraj Slavkovsky, uh, the Slovakian player, another centerman. So again, building down the middle here, that we're, that's what we're targeting. I think it's the right move for the Kraken to continue to build down the middle, get another elite centerman. Uh, and again, you know, this is a guy who's got some versatility too. 
You know, he could play left wing, he could play right wing, but he's also got experience uh, down the middle as well. Another big bodied kid, 6'4", 225 pounds. So, uh, you know, huge guy right there, but just brings a very good raw toolkit to his game. And, uh, you know, he's playing, he's already 17. He's already playing in, you know, a pro men's league in, uh, in Finland playing in the Liga. So they're very top, uh, league there. He's got four points in 20 games, not maybe not the exact type of, uh, productivity you'd like to see, but, uh, as far as, you know, what I've looked up, he's only getting third line minutes there, which, you know, is tough for him. You know, he, when he was playing in their junior league, he had 18 points in 11 games. So he was absolutely tearing that up. So he does have that, um, that offensive game to him, but just another, another big kid down the middle who could, you know, provide uh, just some elite centerman skills for this team. What do you think about him? I think he's a sneaky pick for the top three, not sneaky in terms of like, no one's going to see it coming. Cause there's a lot of scouting organizations that have him quite high at the draft and for very good reason. But sneaky in terms of he's going to be a lot better than some people think. Like you said, he's raw. So he's going to take a two or three years to kind of start filling out and adjusting his game to what it's going to be at the pro ranks. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do it in a smart way because you see him shift over to the wing this year for his first year in a professional league and over in the league of there. But he's been a centerman kind of all his life growing up. So he's going to he took shifts over there a little bit throughout the season, too. And he played center for Slovakia at the World Juniors. But what's mm-hmm. interesting for me is I want to see where he slots in because there's a lot of talk of him making their Olympic squad as well. Yeah, and that would be super exciting to be able to have this guy make that Olympic team and be a draft eligible. That would just be uh, pretty unreal to see. And yeah, this guy, like you said, he could really easily sneak up there. His uh, draft stock has been rising and rising and rising over the last year, and he keeps solidifying himself as a uh, almost a for sure top pick it's looking like at this point and brings everything to his game right has the physicality has the hands has the smarts um i wouldn't say he's like you know a six out of five on any of those ranges but he he his tool kit his whole set of things that he can bring to the game is huge right so he brings a little bit of everything to his game and i think that's where you get a lot of the value out of him yeah, he's not exactly going to be a guy who really wows you on anything, but he's going to be great at a lot of things. Exactly. And you're looking at a guy like this uh, with such a raw toolkit and set of skills. Um, the potential to grow into a very elite player is high with this guy. So uh, his potential to really grow is, you know, you know, past the ceiling. So that's what that what makes this guy such a, exciting prospect to keep an eye on so Yaroslav Slavkovsky um that might be a name that they're calling uh when it comes to what July now yeah I think it's in July now I think it's in July now it's a stupid schedule but yeah just get back to June damn it yeah just put it back to June and then to round off uh kind of our list here we want to talk about you know obviously right here we're talking about some guys who we're going to be looking at in the top 10 for sure um but something the Kraken really need to get uh, this next draft coming up, they need to get a right-handed defenseman prospect. And we targeted one name who might be a great fit for this team. Do you know who that guy is? Seamus Casey. Seamus Casey. So this is a guy who's playing in the U.S. National Development Team program. Uh, you know, 
playing in that slash USHL when they play their games against a USHL team. Uh, based on his rankings, he you know is anywhere from 12th on Elite Prospects list all the way to 50th on Craig Buttons. So uh, you know such a wide range. But if you if they do acquire a second first round pick or uh, they're able to take this guy early on in the second. I think this would be a great guy to target. Um, maybe not super, super tall or big on the back end, only 5'10, uh, 161 pounds. You know, he's going to have tons of time to, you know, develop and fill in that body and that frame. Just turned 18 years old. So um, just a guy who moves the puck well and plays a very steady game uh, on the back end here. And, uh, they, they need to fill, fill up the stock boards with some right-handed defensemen. So uh, why not uh, maybe target a guy like Seamus Casey, right? Yeah, someone who some people have called the best 0-4 defenseman to come through the program. So that's certainly a nice, you know, uh, bump to your ego there. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, you know, he's committed to play in the University of Michigan. So obviously a pretty elite program there. Um, he, he'd probably take at least a year, probably two years in the NCAA to really develop. Uh, you know, he might go pro after that, that second year. Um, but, uh, somebody who I think they could really benefit from targeting, uh, a nice steady right-handed defenseman and a guy who, yeah, I just think it could, could be a great fit for this hockey team. Yeah, and a small D who's going to Michigan, probably, I think he'll take two, maybe outside shot at going back for his third year, but I think he'll be a two-year guy there. And a small D going to Michigan, you got to like the development there because smallish D that have come out of there recently or are going to be coming out, Cam mm-hmm. York, Quinn Hughes, you could say Luke Hughes, but he's kind of grown to be the six foot. Maybe he's hit six one now, so not really counting as small D anymore. But yeah, yeah, no, he's definitely he's definitely uh, outgrown his brothers. That's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, you know what Seamus Casey brings to his game too. Like he's a very smart, high IQ type of player. Uh, breaks the puck out well. Uh, skates very well and. You know, it's not like he's a very flashy type of defenseman, but he seems to do all the little things correct. And that's what brings a lot of value to his game. He, he doesn't he make a lot of mistakes on the back end, which uh, some of those crack and D kind of have been making a lot of mistakes, have, haven't they? Yeah, it might uh, be the bane of a couple goals. Mm-hmm. So if they do end up getting uh, kind of a, another second round or another first round pick and this guy's on the board, uh, definitely someone I, I think they should be targeting. Uh, we'll see kind of where they fall or where they have him in, in their own rankings, but uh, you know, keep an eye out for Seamus Casey because he could be one of those players who ends up being a Seattle Kraken pick come July. And I think that uh, pretty much goes through everything we're going to talk about today. Hey Durham. Yeah. Big one today. Just jam packed full of shit. You know, yep, I might've gone jam-packed. off with Matt Savoie, but he deserves it. No, he does. He needs his tires pumped. It's his draft year. That's what we're here to do. So uh, it all makes sense. So, you know what? Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to uh, episode 17 here. It was jam-packed. Make sure you join us next week. We're going to break down all four of those Kraken games and, of course, keep you up to date with NHL news and all things Kraken-related. So have a great week, everyone, and peace out, Kraken Nation.